London. I was, certainly made spotted dick. I feel like it's like Australia, like mixed with some London and then some some New York thrown in there. You know oh, what I man. mean? Oh man, I am literally gonna text my wife right now because she is the absolute accent queen. Like we'll be watching something where everyone's speaking in American accents, and she'll be like. I think that guy is from southwestern New Zealand, and she'll look it up and she'll be right. And I'm always like, how did you, what are you even, but last night, I was like, that guy sounds like he's Australian, and she was like, no, that's not Australia, that's like some weird combination of like England with a, you know, some kind of Asian accent, and ha, I win. Port Douglas, Australia, per, per, um... So your mileage may vary. I, I kind of enjoyed Joe too in this first episode. Yes, uh, Joe was uh, Joe was hair. enjoyable. I I yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I I quite enjoyed Sarah as well and uh, Robert and obviously I'll be rooting for Demar because he's from Chicago. But Sam to me, just like everything he did and said was delightfully weird. He just seems like a super, super weird person, and, and I'm into that. Yeah. I, I also will be ready for Monique because she's cooking out of Vallejo. You there know you what go. I mean? Vallejo, right? That's great. Shout out Vallejo. Uh, yeah, and Robert, the the personal chef, they always struggle at the beginning. So him winning the first uh, elimination challenge, I thought, was pretty cool. He also cooked at Octavia, uh, which is a place I believe I've eaten at in Ooh. San Francisco. I don't know if you've, if you've been there. So, um, so yeah, he's personal chef now, but he's obviously done some done his time in some restaurants as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a good group. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit and like go like I'm not saying you got to hold to this person or people for the year. But is there anybody that you're handicapping as you like look out for for this guy? Well, I, you know, because of what I just said, I think Robert is uh, a threat, you know, like that usually the personal chefs, even if they've had the restaurant experience, you know, like they're just not used to cooking in that type of environment. And so the fact that he hit a home run when he was so unsure of himself, you know, I thought that was super, super impressive. Um, if I had to pick other potential favorites – I think Buddha is definitely on there. The spotted dick. Yeah, I mean, just making making the beef dessert and nailing it. I is, mean, dude, that's, that's it's a big risk for the first. And and yeah, I guess they they were invincible. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. So was it a huge huge risk? But he still. But that's the right food. way to think it, about it, right? I mean, that's the right approach is to say like, hey, we've got immunity. Let's take a big swing because if we screw it up, oh well, no big deal. If we do well, it puts us on the map. And he obviously nailed it. Um, immunity does not help you create a great dessert with beef fat. So uh, him and then I, I think, you know, the people with a very distinctive style are always a threat. So I would say Ashley, um, who was like, I cook Appalachian food. Yeah, those are the two. Those are exactly the two people that I identified. <laughs> Buda, Buda yeah, uh, look, I mean. For- much the same reason. The the Appalachian Ghanaian combo, you want to talk about a unique perspective. And I yep. think if you're just looking at the two best dishes from this episode, like she might have had them. Like the, you know, uh they said tartar history is what, what somebody said about her tartar. So um 
she seems really formidable to me. I really like her her perspective and, and ideas. And you know what? I I also think it's generally cool how much uh, Top Chef has really kind of showcased African cooking these last couple of years. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, and and let me just also throw Jackson in there because they also raved about his tartar, and he can't taste or smell, so he must be doing something right. <laughs> That's honestly that's the thing keeping me from naming him a favorite. Like I have to think that's going to catch up uh, probably to him at some point in this season. The fact that he can't taste, which is you know obviously no fault of his own, that sucks. But man, that seems like a real handicap. <laughs> so so where were you when he was like, I'm not telling anybody. I don't know if that makes me an asshole. Does it? I I don't think so, but I also think he's going to have a hard time keeping that secret all year. In fact, he's already yeah. having people taste his food. You know well, what I right, mean? Right, like, but everyone always does that, on. right? <laughs> yeah, it's one thing when you're like, hey, give me your take on this. It's another thing when it's like, you know, when, I don't know, maybe you'll maybe be able to keep it a secret, but I, I have a feeling people are going to find out. Yeah, I mean, you figure someone's going to find out eventually. Um, there were a couple weird medical things in this episode, starting with Jackson's uh, inability to taste or smell. But uh, also, like, the whole Leah saga felt suspicious to me. Did, did did you have any red flags go up? No. I mean, look, I was like, I I could see this being tough for her. Okay. But, but, but 101 but, degree fever is one of those things that's pretty verifiable, you know what I mean, in terms of the show, right? No, so. no, no. I'm not saying I don't mean that she wasn't sick. Um, what I mean is, is that she's obviously sick. Um, but did she self diagnose a bladder infection? And I missed that. Did she? Well, she said, I feel like I have a really bad bladder infection. Oh, that's weird. (laughs) And then she said, I had a one oh one fever. And again, I believe that she's sick, but then she just so happened. Like it seemed pretty clear to me. That even if her dish tasted okay, Stephanie torpedoed her entire team by leaving an ingredient out of her meal. And yeah, I don't know, man. Her dish seemed pretty. pretty Leah's dish seemed pretty lousy too, right? Yeah, I mean, it they were did. Like, the, beef, the the beef is an afterthought, and it's lousy. Yeah. And Asian here, rice paper. Like, there was a lot not to like about her dish. Sure. It just seemed awfully convenient. Like, at the table, it seemed to me they liked Stephanie's less. But when Mm. they got to elimination, suddenly it became obvious that Leah was going to get eliminated. And I just wonder if, like... But you've seen that on the show before, right? Yeah, but I just wonder if off-camera she went to a doctor and they were like, you can't do this. And then they eliminated her... Because, you know, she didn't do great anyway. If she it is had a black infection, you're just taking some antibiotics, right? And then you get back at it. I guess, days. but that's, oh, I don't know, the okay. whole thing. Maybe I'm being a conspiratorial. It's, yeah, it's not the challenge. You know what I mean? like, yeah, maybe she just made a bad dish because she felt like garbage. But uh, either way, this was, it was so obvious that that team was in the bottom. Um and once they started describing the dishes at, at judges' table, it was very obvious that Leah was going to be eliminated. Uh, it was three crab. They made three crab dishes, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they so, did. I did think, uh, I will say, I thought it was a very dignified first episode exit for Leah. It was just hard to pull off. You know what I mean? Yeah, she didn't flip out. Um, 
And she's like, yeah, I made a a crap dish. (laughs) And that might be kind of all of all of the way it happened, I think, contributed to my conspiratorial thinking just because, like, it all seemed very convenient and easy. Uh, But either way, like. That team was derailed from the beginning, and I would argue that it was Stephanie's fault, whether or not, you know, I felt a little bit for her uh, as she's like, I'm a Midwest chef, but I don't know anything about Asian food. And I was like, well, like. You know who she didn't say that that to? (laughs) Like Uh, she didn't say it to the other chefs. No, yeah, I don't blame for that either, right? Well, if they're like we're thinking Asian, you know what I mean? Like that's that's tough. No, man, I'm sorry. Like you're a chef for God's sakes. If they're saying we're thinking Asian flavors, and you're like, hey, I'm not really comfortable with Asian flavors, say it. You're a team. You got to say that. You have to be able to say that. If you can't say that, like you're gonna have other problems here. Don't you think – but, I mean, like, people being intimidated by the other chef's uh, accomplishments was a running theme through this show, right? Like, it wasn't just in this, so. Sure, uh, but but you got to recognize that you're good, too, and try to, like, assert yourself. I mean, that's the name of the game, right? I'm not sure she is that good. We're gonna, <laughs> because we'll yeah. be finding out in the next couple weeks. Well, it's interesting, um, you know, because, of, like – sure. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I think it's interesting when people come from – like non-food cities, sort of. Yeah. You know, like she's, for five years or whatever it is, she's been uh, running a restaurant in Bismarck, North Dakota, where I would venture to guess she's by far the most qualified and successful chef in the state, (laughs) or at least... A decent chance, certainly. I'm at least guess top five, five right? <laughs> yeah, so. Um, so I just, I wonder... mean, I don't know if you've been checking out Fargo's chefs, you know, who knows? <laughs> Maybe, and like, there's always somebody from a place like that, right? But, but like, yeah. it, I, I think it is a little tough for people who, who have gotten used to being again, either like a, a personal chef, like we've seen uh, in the past, or a big fish, small pond sort of thing where it's like you're you're just out of the rat race of the chef game. Because I know... But don't, don't you think it's different, though, to be a chef from Bismarck versus uh, Asheville, where Ashley's from, or Nick is from Jackson, Mississippi? You know, like, those are small places, but I feel like they have much a much greater food identity than Bismarck, North Dakota. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. But obviously, like, none of those places are environmentally similar to if you're a chef in New York or LA or San Francisco or Chicago, where it's like ultra competitive and you know, there's a large scene. Yeah. I just mean that she's a, that's, she's at a double disadvantage because it's not competitive. And yeah. like, she's from a place that sort of lacks a point of view cooking wise. You know you what may I mean? Maybe right. So, and, uh, and certainly steak and potatoes is, uh, falls a little short of, of what top chef would want for a culinary viewpoint. Yeah, who was the guy that made something that was made something that was like really good but super safe and boring? Is that uh, might have been that Nick. Your I might have been Demar, right? Might have been. Yeah, do, I got to tell you, like, if not for Team Leah, Stephanie, and Jay, I was a little worried about Demar. He didn't have the best week. Yeah, I agree. But you know, you don't have to have the right. You just got to not be the slowest antelope in the herd in that first week, right? That's right. I mean, I think I, I think that's why. Even though we we both identified the same two people as potential favorites, I think that's why it's just hard in week one to pick a favorite. Uh, speaking of favorites, what a delight to see Dawn. And tell me if, if you disagree. She just looked like, 
more successful or something? I don't know. <laughs> but she, I, I, what I will say is that her outfit was really on point. <laughs> I, mean, show, I, I don't, don't know if she got know. a stylist. They, yeah, they, somebody gave her a glow up or something. But, uh, yeah, I, I did notice that. I was she like, just oh, – yeah. yeah. <laughs> she And part of it, I'm sure, was like she was always so stressed being on the other side of things, and she was very relaxed as uh, as sort of a mentor and judge. So th- I'm sure that played a part. But it took me a minute to be like, oh, my God, it's Dawn. She just looks so, like, grown up somehow, even though she's obviously been an adult uh, the entire time I've been aware of her. That blazer and boot combo. Uh, mm. Dawn actually segues nicely into the, the, the guy that I wanted to ask you about, uh, which is Luke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So Luke cooked at Nomi, right? It was incredible to have Dawn be like, "I might be weird to hear this from me, but you gotta, you gotta <laughs> keep track of time." She's like, "She's like, I know what it's like to lose time." In the kids and I was like, "Yeah, you do." Yeah, <laughs> you so, really do. But I mean, but she never put nothing on a plate, right? Like coming into this, and then you get nothing on a plate, mm. and then he like he didn't wow anybody with the second dish either, right? So, yeah, uh, I mean, I think I he did well. Amazing, even though he was complaining about the way other people plated it for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I I gotta say, like, I think for a guy for for a chef like that, the no talking challenge was probably particularly difficult. Yeah, just like. I think in general, if you know the the people who did well with the no talking, were like uh, freelancers more, right? Yeah. I mean, you Shut just got to. Sorry, go ahead. Well, you just got to be able to to ad lib, or that, or you're never gonna, especially the last person um, in the three. You got to be able to to pivot and ad lib, or you're screwed. And so you know, it was sort of the more clever, creative. Like, oh, I'll just do this. I, I think that's why Team Buddha did so well. Yeah. Shout out to Robert, I, by the way, who, you know, uh, wound up as your winner in this episode. Yep. I, like, I would have lost my shit uh, if I had made all that pork and then, then none of it showed up on the plate. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. And he seemed to handle it pretty gracefully. So. Yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. And honestly, the whole, uh, you know, Everyone had some weird stuff go down, and uh, everyone on this episode handled everything pretty well. The one thing that I almost always find in a first episode of Top Chef that I don't feel like I found here is the asshole. Yeah, I, I this may be a no asshole season. I don't know if I even really see it coming out. To be honest, I, Luke is probably your, your would be your best bet, and I, he didn't really seem like an asshole. No, I mean. I, was in a position where you know he was pretty embarrassed but he was right very humble and apologetic about it so no i i would say like you know uh from pictures the most likely candidates are are luke and jackson but they both seem like you know gentle kind dudes so yeah. uh I, any ass lies from jackson no none it's just but it's just like he's the highly professional super tall extremely yeah. white that guy's been that asshole, yeah, on the show in the past for sure. Exactly, uh, but he seems like a, a delightful person when he actually talks, despite his uh, potential handicap. Um, I, I, I just this was a great first episode. I really thought. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I will say, I, I did feel like this that quick fire 
you know, for reasons we kind of discussed, was a little gimmicky. You know what I mean? Oh, like, super gimmicky. You're right. You know, like it, it made it I, in the first episode, quick fire. Like I want to get a sense of who could cook. You know what I mean? And there was there was a lot in the way of that. <laughs> so no, I mean the quick fire. I would say it gave you almost no indication of who can cook. Yeah, and yeah. like there's an element of that to any Top Chef quick fire because they're forced bizarre circumstances. But usually it's like putting a specific stress on a particular area of cooking and seeing how you handle it, right? And this one was really just like. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is no shade to Magical Elves or Bravo, um, and I doubt everyone from them is listening. And it's no shade to Houston, which I think is an amazing city for food and kind of uh, on the come up, and I think a good place to have it. But, like, guys, have we not done Atlanta yet on this show? Like, we, we you got to come to Atlanta. It's like, 20 seasons, and we haven't made it to Atlanta yet? It, it, it drives me insane. And there's, they've had how many great chefs from Atlanta over the years? And it's so not like many. you could be like, it's hard to film there. You know what I mean? So what right. the hell's going on? It's hard to film there. <laughs> like, the Bravo shows are in Atlanta now. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah, they definitely got a Housewives there. Um, I did you, that, did you see any of the promos for that candy show or whatever? That was that's a, that looks like an Atlanta restaurant thing. Yeah, I skip I skip the commercials aggressively, but the th- there was a weirdness to the like. The way they introed it almost felt like, God, we've done a, we've done every food city but Houston. <laughs> yeah, that's that, and it like it literally, I, like I almost like leaped off my couch. Come to Atlanta, you cowards! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the challenge they probably needed. So, season twenty, nice round number. Yeah, for sure. Uh, didn't they do Savannah one year? They did. I know they've done. I mean, Charleston and Kentucky before Atlanta. It's crazy. Yeah, they've done some weird ones. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my one bitch that and uh, spotted dick. It was a great, it was a great episode. Man. We got uh, can I ask you just as we uh, finish up with top chef, uh, when someone says spotted dick, what's the first thing you think of? I'm pretty sure I've heard of that dish. Actually. I think I would have guessed it was a food dish. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that's not what I meant, but I, oh. I apparently I'm the only one with the association. Um, I'm aware of Spotted Dick. I I lived in London for three months and never once heard of Spotted Dick. I'm aware of that dish exclusively because of the film, the 1991 film King Ralph, starring John Goodman as a jackass American who becomes the King of England. Wow, I you know I did see King Ralph sometime around 1991. Um, that's, but I, I, I bet that's where your familiarity with spotted dick comes from. You just don't remember. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's like a big <laughs> joke in the thing that they serve him spotted dick. And he's like, what the hell? And I don't know that I've ever seen it since then, but I always remember that. So it's anytime someone says spotted dick, I'm like, oh, King Ralph. It, uh, it sounds like it could be pretty gross in the wrong hands. Oh yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And usually it's not like broken down in a bowl like that. It's like a, big it's like a tubular thing like the size of a yule log as i understand it okay um (laughs) let's should we transition into some stuff that we we've been watching over the break because john goodman's actually not a bad place to start for me interesting john goodman okay uh i have a feeling i know what you watched and i did not watch it um so how was it yeah, I really enjoyed this season of the Ratchet Gemstone. So you did not check out episode one even of that. I know it wasn't in Homer. 
No, um, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, uh yeah, I I did watch uh, pretty much all of Love Is Blind, though. If that's uh, <laughs> all right. So let me ask you, as as someone who hasn't watched the season yet, when you think about the righteous gemstones to this point. Like, what sort of genre elements do you feel like sort of make up that show, right? Obviously, comedy. Right. Uh, I don't know. There's a little bit of family drama, I guess. There's a little bit of religious satire. Um, or, you know, at least satire of evangelists. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Right. That's kind of what what was in my head, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, this season, there's quite a bit of, like, action movie elements. And that some of those have been in past seasons. Okay. I feel like they really leaned into it this year. Interesting. Uh, which is not something I was necessarily looking for from this show, but right. I thought some of which they pulled off quite well. Um, and uh, Eric Andre is tremendous oh. in this season. Yeah, so. Okay. Uh, well, that's uh, something I'm interested in seeing. So I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, I would, it's pretty, you know, that's a very bingeable one, too, now that they're all out. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, it, speaking know. of things all being out, uh, that leads me to something I just finished actually last night. Because the final episode, I believe, dropped just last night. Have you finished the after party? Uh, no, the after party was on my list to discuss. Um I guess technically the final episode did drop last night if you were, you know, probably 10 o'clock Pacific, I'm guessing, or 9 o'clock. Oh, I didn't even notice. I just, I was like, oh, a new episode of The After Party. I'll watch that. It comes out on Fridays, I think, technically. You know what I mean? I cheated. Uh, But um, uh, I have not seen the final episode yet. I don't know how it ends. I hear it's quite a twist. So um, (laughs) let's not get too far into that. I'm not going to tell you how it ends, but. I, I, I did enjoy it. It, it, I'm not sure when we first talked about it, we had it pegged properly. Uh, you mean because in terms of like that, it's, it was going to be this sort of genre shifting exercise. Is that, is that the part that you feel like we didn't peg properly? And, and yeah, that, and, and in a way like the. The mystery of it is uh, is pretty secondary, right? Yeah, well, and I, look, I, if you're asking me about this show, like, it, it, I, I wouldn't say that it's the most hilarious show that I've ever watched. I wouldn't right. say it's, like, the best put together show. No. But it's a great hang. That's like, right. This, the, like, I would watch a new episode as soon as it came out. You know what I mean? Like, it just jumped straight to the pro- top of the priority list because it was – just fun and easy. Like, I that's, enjoyed every episode. That's know? what I think. And, and I think that's the charm of the show more than anything is it's fun and it's easy and it's a good hang. It's There's, like, really not that much to it. And, and even if there's a twist in the mystery, like, it's not that – it's not the – like, it's not like Knives Out where it's like, oh, my God, the mystery. What a twist. It's just like, okay, all right, so that's what happened. But it's more just – a fun time and there's not a lot of out loud laughs but it's a real it's a good chuckle and a smile and and, and like an enjoyable 30 minutes um and i and think I, being in the dark i like i really want to know who killed xavier oh totally but totally. i'm not i'm not like i don't know that like there's an answer that i would get where i'd be like ah oh, this wasn't worth it you know what i mean like it's not exactly like, it's a great place for a show to be in you know what i mean yeah and and i think 
what I realized as it went on is that part of everything we just described is really conveyed, and I think they both nailed it in the way that both John Early and Tiffany Haddish are playing this whole thing, which is totally absurd, right? Like, of all the absurdities in this show, as silly as everything is, the silliest thing is that police would behave the way that Tiffany Haddish and and John Early are behaving. Yeah, although obviously they did the whole episode where they sort of set up that, uh, you know, Tiffany Haddish plays by her own rules. Yeah, but but even so... Like, yeah, but Mad Dogs, like, her whole thing is so over... She's playing the cops so far over the top. And I think in the first couple episodes, I was like, is she just not very good at this? But as it's gone on, I've realized that, like, part of the charm here is this is totally ridiculous as as a police investigation, and therefore, the police are ridiculous. Um, And I think... Both cops are kind of ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. And, And that became something that... At the beginning, I was was a little confusing, but I think has become one of the more appealing aspects as I've gone on is just how goofily Tiffany Haddish and John Early are playing these police characters. You busted. <laughs> you busted. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I did enjoy that uh, quite a bit. Uh, I want to bring up a show um, that I like I really loved. We've I've talked about it in the past. It's dead on for me personally. But it's also a pretty polarizing and divisive show, and I can see how it's very much not dead on for people. But holy shit, this season of Euphoria, what a ride! Wow. I'm, I'm just, I'm all, I'm all in uh, on Euphoria. Uh, everything they're doing, I understand pe- why people would have problems with it. It is, it does not, it exists in its own reality mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> is, you, there is a a significant dis- suspension of disbelief required at. at at many times, um, but wow, what a, uh, a fascinating story! It to me is one of the most visually interesting shows on TV. The the music is incredible. Some of the performances, the you know the Zadea intervention episodes. Oh my god! Incredible. Um, that scene where she's trying to eat the Jolly Rancher. Yeah, it is. Wow, it's a show that is. J- Actively pushing your buttons uh-huh. <laughs> at all times. Yeah, uh, and, and and I I I just feel like we are also we're watching an entire generation of future leading women just knocking it out of the park. Yeah. I mean, Maude Apatow is spectacular. Zendaya is award winning for obvious reasons. Sydney Sweeney and uh, I don't even know the ladies the young lady's name who plays uh the you know the queen bee character whose name i can't even come up with right now uh, maddie maddie i wanted to say maya for some reason but she's spectacular like the kids and I, and look they're all in their 20s but i just feel it like it's a the kids I, I i actually i guess this season was a little bit of a response to the criticism of where the hell are the parents um, maybe but you know there are no teachers at all yeah, have we even ever seen a teacher really? <laughs> no. <laughs> like they barely they were barely in classes this year. Yeah. Uh but I just the acting from these young men and women is so good. Alexa Demi is the name of the woman who plays Maddie. She's spectacular. The guy who plays Fez is unbelievable. The guy who plays Nate Jacobs is uh, I, all of these people are doing 
such heavy lifting on this show, and they oh. all have to walk this line between selling you humanity and living in an like ultra stylized, unreal world, and they all knock it out of the park. It's, I, I think there are so many ways that this show would fall flat for everybody. Um, and just the fact that it is popular at all, it, 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 they are walking such a tight, tight rope with such success. It's, I find it very impressive. Me too. Me too. And I honestly, I think the, the, the flaws that the show does have in some ways make it, makes it a little more interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, maybe. I, everything works for me. Even, even the stuff that doesn't work. If that's, uh, you know, if, if, if that makes sense. I am, uh, very sad, and now I'm going to spoil, so uh, if you haven't seen the finale, I am very, very sad uh, about the death of Ashtray. Um, I really was not ready for either Ashtray or Fez to die, even though it seemed clear one of them would. Uh, and I don't know, man. I it, I don't think it would have been better if it was Fez instead, but I'm crushed. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> it's, it's weird because there's really – you know, Ashtray is such a like. I mean, there's a you know almost nearly mute, you know mute character. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Like, there's some there's something about him that's really charming. Um, yes, he was a really that charming kid. Like kid. a boxer, apparently. Apparently has like a like a pretty good boxing career going. That adds up. He looks like a kid who'd be a boxer. Um, <laughs> I saw today on the internet someone had posted a video of the actor who played Fez was like their waiter at a birthday brunch a couple years ago. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I hear he and Fez are fairly close in in real life too, uh, which I, I also agree. Yeah. Well, that I scar have... on Fez's head is real. Um. So, yeah. you know, and and his speaking voice is pretty uh pretty much the actor's speaking voice too. So I imagine there's a story there. Yeah. You know, it's so. Uh, I don't know if if you if you realize this. I I have just learned to learn about it the last couple of weeks. Like this is the most popular show on HBO since Game of Thrones. Really. Uh, just in terms of audience, yeah, like it's doing like six million an episode or something like that. So, um, and it like it, season two was like twice as popular as uh, the season as the first season was. Interesting. So, um, so I, I do worry that some of these kids are going to get right. Like it's going to be hard for them to shake some of these roles. And obviously, you don't worry about Zendaya. Um, I mean, is that really a thing anymore? Like, I know that's – it can be a thing. Obviously, actors can get pigeonholed. Um, but everyone's so aware of that trope, you know? Oh, by the way, Angus Cloud, Oakland native. Shout yeah, out. You can see that. Angus, Angus Cloud is one of the first ones I'm thinking of where it's like it may be hard for him. Um, well, very, maybe, but yeah. I, I feel like his his general – uh, like the person, the person that he is, and the way he speaks and his look, might have made it tough for him to do things different than what he is doing in this show, anyway, right? And I guess my point is less that like people won't want to pigeonhole actors, but like these kids know that that's something that can happen, right? And so they're gonna make pretty informed choices would be my guess and again kids they're 20 somethings but 
I think it's harder to fall into those sorts of typecastings uh, accidentally these days than it used to be. Yeah. Can I give you a couple of uh, what do you think happens to uh, questions? Because yeah. I, I am interested in, in, in where the story is going for some of these characters. Well, I was shocked that they they basically committed to a time jump. Oh, because because you because you see her sort of because in her narration she's talking about how she was clean for the rest of the summer, right? The rest of the school year or whatever. Like I feel yeah. like they're committing to jumping us reasonably far that forward. Only, that's only a couple of months though, right? I mean, they were definitely in the second, the back end of the school year. I guess, um, but the whole it feels like the whole show up to this point has taken place over the course of two months, right? Well, and we're getting to a point, right? I mean, like like uh, Nate, who's one of the people I was going to ask about. Like Nate's a senior, right? Is he going to college? They none of these characters ever discuss college, which I think is kind of hilarious. Yeah, I, I, well, that's the thing is like everything on this show is so micro focused that it, sometimes you forget like there kind of isn't a macro. Everything has been packed into this tight window. So yeah, I mean, jumping forward is. I don't know. It's an interesting commitment to make. It made me wonder if it had been picked up, but of course it had. Right. Yes, it's it's already been renewed, and I, I'm sure they're going to do some more seasons if they want to make more seasons. If they, if they have Zendaya, then they're, um, they're going to continue to use her. Well, yeah, um, she just is. She really is. I mean, I just keep thinking of her in all the other stuff, whether it's Disney or Spider-Man or whatever. Like, the, the transformative performance she is putting on on this show is nothing short of spectacular. Yeah, that's great. What do you think? Uh, by the way, there have been some talk about Nate leaving the show too, to, or the actor Jacob Elordi wanting mm. to leave the show. So I'm wondering if that's going to be uh, a thing. Uh, what do you think happens to Fez? How does he not? He's got to go to jail, right? I mean, I, yeah, that's I mean, one I of my biggest sort of concerns. Yeah, he's he's going to jail. I don't want to live in a euphoria without Fez. I really don't. And I also, I, I'm a I'm a big. Uh, you know, Fexy guy. Like I, I was really rooting for those should, two crazy kids. Fexy, as the kids say, yeah. <laughs> I can see Fexy still like. I can see them trying to make Fexy work. Honestly. Yeah, but a jailhouse romance is it's never a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like Fez, the character seems sort of uniquely suited to pull that off, right? You're right. Like he's like he's he's definitely like a dude with a code. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah. The uh, the last person, the last uh, what do you think happens to you? In a way, it's a little bit of a rude question, but really it's what happens to Lori the drug dealer? It's a great question. Because I really feel like uh, there was, a you know, the whole like suitcase full of money and potential sex trafficking future for Rue is something they just sort of left on, you know, a thread they left to hang in. You know what I mean? And you know who that is, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that is Martha Kelly, um, who is a stand-up comedian, um, known for being exactly as deadpan and bizarre as that character is. Uh, and her her other credit, really, is she was the friend on Baskets. Oh, I didn't watch Baskets, so maybe that's part of why I don't know. Really? We didn't talk about Baskets? No. Huh. Uh, she is really oddly funny, but that's that's like her demeanor. The the same weird sort of deadpan demeanor that that character has is her demeanor as a stand up comic, uh, which is fascinating to watch. 
anyway. It works really well for someone who's like kind of playing a former drug addict, right? Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. It, 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 a lot of former drug addict vibe. There. Yes. And and I, I I feel like she's got to be going down, right? I mean. Well, I mean, obviously they tried. And, and this, by the way, uh, really great use of, of Chloe Cherry um, uh, as that, you know, character who like kind of seems like an empty vessel all season. And then like turns out to be the woman with the plan really in the key moment. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. To like start pointing the finger at uh, her way. I thought that was interesting. So maybe that's the thing that keeps Rue from uh, uh, from a terrible, terrible fate that they just seem to stop discussing when she went to rehab. So right, and well, that's the thing is like if she's staying, if she's going to tell us I stayed clean the rest of the school year, like clearly things didn't go to pot with the drug dealer lady, which makes me think the drug dealer lady got taken out of the picture. Yeah, maybe. Right, that that could be it. Um, now maybe like that's that? maybe Fez. Maybe that's how Fez gets out of jail. Uh, did you enjoy Dominic Fike as Elliot this year? I love him, um, and apparently some people didn't like that song. But yeah, <laughs> somebody like I saw someone on Twitter today trashing it. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was great. Like what? Well, first, it's on Spotify now, by the way. It is good because I want it. I, I I like. I didn't realize that he was a singer songwriter. Like I didn't. I I don't know Dominic Fike. Yeah, he's got like hits and stuff. I I had no idea, but it makes sense. He's got a beautiful voice, and I thought. God, I I really thought the song was kind of moving. I I'm shocked that it seems to be this polarizing thing like i guess some people don't like sincerity i think that's maybe what it is i don't know I, you know when the show's there's enough people are watching this show that a song like that is gonna you know hit some people wrong i guess but i just thought it was i thought it was kind of beautiful for that character right i thought it was something that that it made sense both story-wise and just like as a an element of that character like that this was how he tried to express himself was to you know put it into a fairly obvious metaphor of a song and and yeah it, it was a little cheesy but i thought it was kind of beautiful i don't know yeah Maybe i I'm really cheesy <laughs> right, maybe we're cheesy. I don't know. The, I, this show is so good and hits me so right in the feels that I just, I like, I can't believe Drake was involved. <laughs> it it is so funny, isn't it? Seeing the like, not just Drake, but the bunch of dudes from from like the OVO crew, like yeah. all those names just pop up <laughs> at like, the end the of fuck? every episode. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. this is like, uh, but remember. Frankly, if there's one high school in television history that Euphoria High might resemble, it's probably Degrassi. Yeah, I guess. Were there no teachers in Degrassi either? Well, uh, there were certainly, like, constant dramas. I mean, they were a little more after-school specially than Euphoria is, but I, I, it covered similar themes in a, in a more Canadian way. See, I think this is one of the things where our age separates us. Because I think I watched a different generation of Degrassi than you did. If no. you watched the one with Drake. 
No, I okay. did not. I watched the one with you, uh, the okay, same as gotcha. you. And I didn't even watch it. They but they showed us some in school, like to teach us things. Oh, I loved Degrassi. I watched I watched every single one of the orig- original version. Now I yeah. never saw any of the. That was oh. like the new school, Degrassi, the new school, or something. Um, I just loved how Canadian it was. <laughs> it was know. so Canadian. I just uh, all I remember about Degrassi, and I probably saw five or ten episodes of that first one, and maybe one episode of the Drake version, just to see Drake. Uh, but all I remember of the OG one was there was an episode where, uh, through like essentially a game, a classic game of like high school telephone you know not on purpose but uh rumor mill that like some girl used the phrase i can handle it about something and it turned into a rumor of her giving hand jobs oh <laughs> that's a, yeah that sounds great yeah. <laughs> i remember the theme song it was also very canadian um <laughs> did you know that um dominic fike and hunter schaefer are dating in real life that was a thing I learned recently too. No, because as I said, I had I had never heard of Dominic Fike until I was like, that song's pretty good. Who's that guy? And then I found out that he's been like self-publishing. He's on Columbia Records now. He's not self-publishing anything. No, but I mean, he he's since he was ten years old, he's been yeah. putting music into the world. Yeah, he uh, has. 10,460,659 monthly listeners on Spotify. That's incredible. Um, and I'm going to be one of them because I'm interested to hear the guy's music. <laughs> I I thought, again, maybe it was cheesy or, uh, you know, overly sincere, but I thought it was kind of a beautiful little song that he played. Yeah, there you go. I, uh, I love this show. We should, <laughs> we, should, we should move on, though. Probably too much euphoria already, <laughs> but, yeah, we both love it. Um can we quickly just touch on uh, the rest of the things that we had for homework that that I watched? Um, yeah, sure. Just uh, thirty seconds on the girl before. Uh, do you remember how many of those you watched? Two, two and a half. I yeah. remember to know that I that will not be watching anymore. Yeah, I wish I had stopped at one and a half or two, uh, where I had a nice stopping point. Because now I'm like three and a half in, and I'm I'm just gonna push it through to the end because I want to know what happens. But just the feeling I have gotten the whole time is that like, this is a mystery where we basically know, I'm sure there's going to be some twist, but we basically know like, this is a creepy bad dude who's doing creepy things to women. And I'm not sure. I have a lot of trouble believing the payoff is going to be interesting or successful enough to make it more complicated than that. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, it just did not grab me from a story standpoint, and I think you put that in in, in probably in the most uh, articulate way possible. Of like, yeah, I just don't want to watch this guy psychologically torture this these these two girls who uh, seem like very nice people, most part, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, who've gone through some stuff, and I just yeah, just I don't know. And even when he's not psychologically torturing, he just it seems like he such sucks. a dick. Yeah, yeah it's like, ugh. yep, nope. yep, nope. okay. Uh, so agreed on that. Uh, Power of the dog. Um, I alerted you before we started taping to uh, Sam Elliott's bizarre homophobic comments about the film, which uh, obviously has nothing to do with either of our positions. But I, I do think one place where 
we probably both agreed with him is that this is this may not be worth anyone's time. I this is uh, one of the more overrated things in the culture. I'm like I'm stunned yeah. that this is the best picture nominee. Like, what are we fucking doing, guys? Uh, and I, like, I'm not saying that like Jane Campion's a hack or anything. Like, I'm right. not, you know what I mean? Like, I, I get why this is a really well directed movie, but like, this is I like I, how someone read this story and thought, well, this will make a great movie, and then just kind of do it verbatim in the way that they did. Um, I, I, I just, what? <laughs> like it is right. Man, it is dull. Uh, it's so dull. And I just feel like it's one of these, it's one of these things. It's one of these masturbatory film industry things, um, where they just, it's obviously a great director. There's all these beautiful shots of the mountains and whatnot. And good for her. Um, there's obviously really good acting in it. You know, although I, I have to say, like, this was not Kirsten Dunst's best work, if you ask No, me. and, like, you wasted Jesse Plemons. How, yeah, how do you right. Jesse Plemons? He was good, but to what end? Um, And I just, you know, it's so boring. And the themes, to me, are, are pretty ham-handed. Like, so, I, so the, the, uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is upset because he he's repressing some homosexuality and he's obviously dealt with some loss and he's a tough guy trying to be tough in the world but there's a soft interior like these are very played themes at this point and i didn't think there was anything original to elevate this to something more artistic and then at the end, so the kid's just a murderer to try to make his mom happy, and that's supposed to somehow be like a resolution. I just, I, I feel like it's one of these things where critics love it because they're afraid if they don't, someone's going to tell them they missed something. Yeah. I, I feel I, like it gets celebrated because all these critics are worried that if they say, you know what? Yeah, it's beautiful, but this was boring and unoriginal. Then people are going to be like, Oh, you don't understand film. And they're going to feel like maybe they don't. Yeah. 94% of Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, and 8.4 on mega credit, uh, Metacritic at a 10. Yeah. I mean, it's staggering to me that you couldn't even get 10 or 15% of movie critics to say, this just was very boring. I, um, yeah, I just, this is, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to me that this, it's, it is currently the Oscar favorite. Well, it's the, it's, it's Dunkirk all over again. It's just, (laughs) it's not interesting enough to be this celebrated. It's about the notes you don't play, Kolsky. Right. Uh, uh, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Fuck this movie. Okay. Um, yeah, but, but. Not because it's gay. Who did think <laughs> right? Not because it's gay. Uh, and uh, and shout out to Johnny Greenwood because I did think the score made me really uncomfortable, which is what it was yep. trying to do. Johnny Greenwood can make you uncomfortable like few others. By the way, speaking of Johnny things, we... it's, just, it's just like warmed over. There will be blood cross with Brokeback Mountain a little bit. Right? Yeah, basically. Okay. Except except both of those movies were vastly had vastly more to say. That's right. And if you're saying warmed over, like that almost seems too complimentary. I'm I would say like sitting under the heat lamp for a day and a half 
is is where this is at. Um, but uh, speaking of Johnny Greenwood, did you watch the smile? Did I watch the smile? Do you know what the smile uh, um, is? I do know the I knew the band the smile, and I've heard some of their songs, but I haven't watched any of them. Oh, they did a live stream uh, concert deal. Uh, that you could you know buy a ticket to and watch online that I watched and it was quite wonderful. The drummer who I had not heard of previously is spectacular, um, and the music is look if you like Radiohead, check out the Smile. It's Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, and a drummer who's super super good. Right, and Johnny Greenwood is playing like guitar. Right? Oh, he's playing several things as usual. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you watch the live stream, it's pretty typical Johnny Greenwood playing uh, a variety of instruments and machines. And taking chords and pulling them out and putting them in other things. And, All yeah. sorts of weird synthesizing, yes. Yeah. Well, he's, he's still Johnny. He's fun to uh, watch. <laughs> he is. Okay. Any, is there anything else left from the homework that we wanted to touch on? Uh, well, uh, I believe there was uh, Inventing Anna. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I watched all of that. I have not finished it yet, but I will. Um, Julia Garner is remarkable. Yeah, it's very Shonda for uh-huh. better. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, it's very Shonda. Um, I think it's got two really good acting performances at the heart of it because I like Anna Chlumsky a lot as well. Um, and I'm interested in the story. I don't remember the story at all. Is is Was the story no. on your radar before the show? Not at all. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm a little surprised it wasn't, but then I guess what do I care about, uh, you know, New York high society so of course i didn't know about this but it does seem pretty remarkable whatever whatever it is that happened here it yeah it sure does and i it's 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 it's, the way the story unfolds is fun you know what i mean there's a more girl than is to my personal taste but right uh, but like you said it's extremely shonda and i think she's probably the right person for this sort of story so i think it works out pretty well yeah yeah and i think it's i think it's been a quite a, a success from a uh I think so. stamp. Although who knows so. with Netflix. Uh the one other thing was Kimmy. Yeah. Meh. <laughs> that's, my, that's my one word Kimmy. That pretty review. much does it. <laughs> um I could see why that, that didn't leak out into the theaters. Yeah, it's just Uh-oh. you know, it is it it's got some nice Soderbergh stuff, and I guess if you're in the mood for a relatively short film, um, it does have that going for it. And it's reasonably interesting, but uh, it's one of those, like, at the end of the day, I'm not sure anybody was better or worse off for having watched or not watched it. Yep. Yeah. I knew at the end when, like, you see, uh, sorry, this is massive spoilers, I guess. You know what I mean? Uh, you see um, the two of them walking, uh, you know, and getting hot dogs, and she's finally out of the house. Like, I don't know. That was not emotional for me at all. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. All right, good. No, Yay. it just... It uh, it was a movie that was not particularly concerned with character or like uh, buy in. It was just, uh, you know, it was Soderbergh, but without any meat. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Just you're just Soderbergh, but just the bread. It was kind of uh. like if if, it, <laughs> if 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 you didn't care about any of the characters in Out of Sight, then maybe it would kind of be like Kimmy, right. <laughs> It's like it's sort of hard to imagine out of sight. Uh, that's the thing, and and I also I I will say like it takes uh, it, I think a little bit of effort to make me not care about Zoe Kravitz. So yeah, 
Yeah, I, you know, I dare say, Steven, this is just a little bit too much of a sheen of ice on a lot of the stuff you've been doing lately. Like maybe a little warmth in, man. We did like the uh, the the noir, the no sudden move. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that it's all terrible. I'm just saying like a little, a little warmth in. Yeah, and this wasn't terrible. It just it there wasn't enough to it really. Agreed. I have two things. Uh, we we have homework set up. I have two yep. things that probably should be in future homeworks that I've been watching and enjoying. Uh huh. We haven't talked about on the show at all. Yep. Uh, um, the first of which is Super Pumped, the Battle for Uber. Oh, okay. Um, I'll which has only aired one episode so far. That's Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Kyle Chandler uh, and Carrie Bechet from Halt and Catch Fire hmm. uh, uh, and some other folks. Um, in fact, there's a lot of good people in it, and it's you know it's, it's an extremely San Francisco story, um, as you can as you can imagine, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm kind of fascinated to see where that goes. That's from the Billions guys as well, um, and then uh, have you been watching Severance on Apple TV? No, but I keep seeing people say that it's great. Yeah, it's and it's pretty unique. Okay, um, so I would say, and that's a Ben Stiller direction. Hmm. Uh, and it, you know, you can see some of the same vibes from like uh, Danamora, uh, okay. uh, gets in in it as well. Um, but I really like the way that he's directing, and I really like the way that he that it looks. Uh, it also takes place in upstate New York, like Danamora did. Um, I'll have to check it out. He's a very interesting director, that Ben Stiller. Yeah, and uh, Adam Scott's fantastic. Uh, so yeah, worth uh, worth watching. I think one of the more interesting things on TV right now. All right, well, let's put those in the back of our minds, and uh, we'll see if I can get to them this week. But we have some specific homework, I believe. We sure do. Uh, one more thing. Shout out to Space Force. The new season of Space Force, I thought, uh, was uh, better than the first. Okay. Yeah. I'll take uh, your word for it. All right. Uh, here's our homework. Uh, this one I, I felt like was the lock of the year. You, you probably saw the preview and would figure we'd talk about it on the pod. Uh, it is Winning Time, the story of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. From Adam McKay. The show that broke up the McKay Will Ferrell friendship, crazy. Yeah, I find uh, that hard to believe, but okay. <laughs> yeah, per Adam McKay, it, it, Will Ferrell's been noticeably silent on the whole thing, so who knows? Yeah. Um, that's gonna be great, and I think that's that's on HBO uh, starting this weekend. Sunday Can I do night. A quick side note on on what you just said. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> the 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 situation you just described, like. Per Adam McKay, this is why the friendship ended. Will Ferrell's been noticeably silent. That just reeks to me of Adam McKay has angered Will Ferrell in dozens of ways, but is clueless and attributed it to this one thing. And Will is like, well, I'm not friends with him anymore anyway, so it's not worth my time to correct him. It's possible. I mean, they had a super damn fruitful cinematic partnership for a very long time. Right. And, And that's why, like, there's no way... That Will Ferrell threw a temper tantrum because he didn't get to play Jerry Buss and cut this guy out of his life. There's no way that's the only thing that happened. No way. I, I don't feel believe like, it. I, I I don't know. I would put that in the realm of possibility. I don't. I don't. I'm not in the no way camp on that. But I'm. But I can also see it being something else. Anyway. Um. So yeah, we're watching Winning Time. Yeah. Regardless, we regardless, whether Will Ferrell is or not, we're in. Ironically, uh, I think it's very well cast with John C. Riley in that role. Yeah, Much better too. than Will I, Ferrell. I bet Will Ferrell's going to secretly watch it and not tell anyone about it. There's no way uh, he won't watch it. He has to watch it now. <laughs> It'd be so bad. Uh, also on HBO Max uh, is Nightmare Alley. That's the Guillermo del Toro Best Picture nom. We're going to try to bang out a few of those before the actual Oscars are here. Yes, I, I just heard a great right? 
I, I yeah, I heard the interview uh, on Marin with Guillermo del Toro because I am a couple months behind, and I'm very excited about this movie. All right, uh, I am not that excited about this movie just based on what people who have seen it have told me. Really? Uh, yeah. But well, uh, I find him I, very interesting. I don't always love his work, um, but I find him very interesting, and I like a noir. Yeah, same. So, so I'm here for it. I'm, I'll watch. Sure. Uh, there is a new season of OG Law and Order. Yeah. Got to see what that's about because that, you know, I, I don't know quite how to put this, but it's not – the original Law and Order is not the greatest show of all time, but it is – a very special show, and it's probably the peak of procedural television. It's very special to me, and when people talk about Law & Order nowadays, I generally feel like they mean SVU, but right. to me, Law & Order is always OG Law & Order. Yeah, and look, I've watched probably 95% of the episodes of SVU, but it's nowhere near... I mean, it's a totally different type of show, and it's nowhere near in my mind as as good or as like specifically law and order, you know, yeah. like the original law and order where you see the law and the order, <laughs> like it's a very half specific an hour of order, man. Exactly. That's yeah. It's designed in a particular way and it hits a particular comfort spot for, I think <laughs> a lot of people. Sure does. I'm so glad Sam Waterston, they got Sam Waterston to come back. I, yeah, yeah. It's the only thing they really had to do. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there are some people you want to see, but sure. Uh, but yeah, like, look, hopefully Angie Harmon makes an appearance. But uh, you know, Essie Patha Berkison. Oh, love Essie Patha. Okay. And then, I, you know, I have a couple of things written down for this fourth slot here, and I'm not actually sure what we decided that we were going to do. All right. Um, so we have new seasons of Better Things and Killing Eve or The Dropout. Those were the, the remaining things that we oh, discussed. Um, or, we could, or we could do any of the two that I mentioned earlier in the show. Yeah, I thought we decided to just sort of uh, not revisit Better Things or... Uh, or Killing Eve? Or okay. Killing Eve, just because you know, we more or less know. I mean, maybe we'll talk about that. I thought we decided to do The Boys. Oh, we did. Oh, we did decide to do The Boys. There's an animated uh, version of The Boys called The Boys Presents Diabolical on Prime uh, that came out today. So yeah, there you go. let's yeah. check that out. Okay. And then the other stuff is, uh, it's all back burner. There's a lot going on right now, folks. So, so much content out there in the world. Thank God. Thank God. And mm -hmm. plenty happening in, in sports, too, but we'll um, see that for another day. Also relevant? Challenge? All-Stars 3 should be right around the corner. Yeah. And uh, I learned today uh, the rest of Ozark uh, dropping in a few weeks, too. Whoo, buddy. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get out of here. Okay, bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.